Heavenly Father, help us to know ourselves and to have your help to overcome all that is in us that might resist coming to your light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to talk about what must be overcome if we are to live with God. Uh, We return today to John's Gospel, picking up where we left off last October. Uh, If you want to catch up with where we were last October, there is a St Edmunds podcast, and you can look it up, St Edmunds Wembley, and listen, perhaps, to the sermons from the beginning of John. But we're plunging on today, the end of John 3, and our passage today is the concluding reflection that follows the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was an inhabitant of Jerusalem, a Pharisee, which meant he was a religiously serious guy, orthodox and and keen, and belonged to a certain theological outlook. He was also a member of the Jewish ruling council, an important fellow. And Jesus opened the conversation that he had with Nicodemus with this enigmatic assertion. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And this statement assumes that we human beings are, or as we are, we are not ready or able to enter the kingdom of God. Something radical needs to happen before that's possible for us. Before it's possible to share eternal life with God, there's a great problem that needs to be overcome uh, before we can do this. And today's passage says at least three things about this thing in us which needs to be overcome, or this thing which needs to be overcome. Firstly, it says, well, the problem is in us. It's, it's not a problem on God's side. God is not the one who is somehow reluctant to let us into his kingdom. Uh, his love for the world is expressed in the giving of Jesus. The first verse of our passage, John 3.16, this is a super famous verse. It, uh, I think it was Martin Luther who said it's the Bible in miniature. It sums up the core proclamation of the scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's one verse of the Bible, you know, that's a really great one to know and understand. That God's love of the world that is of humankind, uh, even flawed and fallen humankind, is expressed, is seen, is demonstrated, is enacted, is put to work in the coming of Jesus. And in Jesus, God's one and only Son, a unique one with God, who was God, came to us and shared our life. He testified to God's purposes. He did signs that pointed to his identity. And ultimately, in dying for us, he was the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And so verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God is not indifferent to the world he made. He loves it and he loves us. He loves you. He's not keen to condemn the world. On the contrary, he sent his son to save the world through him. So, The problem of us entering the kingdom is not because God is holding the door against us. Not at all. He has flung it wide and made a way. So secondly then, the problem lies in us. Why can't we come to the kingdom? Because 
Well, fear that our evil deeds will be exposed leads us to hang back. Verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Now, steady on, you say. That's, that's a bit much, a bit extreme, isn't it? Their deeds were evil. People love darkness instead of lights. What kind of message is this? I mean, maybe Hamas is evil. Uh, maybe Putin is evil. We can perhaps agree on those things, but not us, not me. We're not perfect, but surely we're good. We're good people. Now, you and I should all be aware, we should know that there is a powerful reflex in us that seeks to justify ourselves, that seeks at all costs almost to think of ourselves as good people, as reasonable and fair and tolerant and kind. There are murderers in prison who think like this, who say, what I did was really a good thing in some way. So uh, an extreme example of this, Carl Williams, a Melbourne gangland figure who uh, was shot by a rival kind of family over money. Uh, in retaliation, he ordered the murder of three people and was convicted of that and uh, was not convicted of another charge of conspiracy to murder, murder a fourth. Uh, he wrote to his mum... I'm certainly not ashamed of the lengths I was forced to take to protect myself and my loved ones. I did what any man would do if they'd been shot. I will always be able to look in the mirror and be very proud of the person I am. This is just an extreme example of the reflex we all share. To protect ourselves from the thought that we may have done wrong, that we may in fact have something to feel guilty about, to be ashamed over. We find it easy to say to ourselves, it wasn't me, it isn't me, it was them, it is him, it is her. I'm not vengeful, they just need to know how much they hurt me. I'm not responsible for what happened to me, they took advantage of me, I'm the victim here. I can't be expected to put up with that. Anyone would have done what I did if they were provoked like that. We have a horror of facing up to the idea that we are in fact vengeful, that we have that streak in us and it comes out in our actions, that we are in fact foolish and that sometimes we contribute to our own situations, our own problems, our own ruin, that we have a lack of self-control or whatever it is this evil streak, this, these bad things that are in us that come out in various ways, we instinctively want to, well, really, if we possibly can, to shift the blame away from ourselves. If it ever looks like landing on us. For everyone, says John, who does evil, hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Now, according to John... Jesus is the light of God come into the world. 
John's Gospel opens uh, with words that include these. In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1.9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And God's Son could not come into the world as anything but the true light. And that is what makes it hard for us to come to him. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Alternatively, you could translate it, people love the darkness more than the light. That is, more than the light of Christ, because this light exposes them and the darkness shelters us. The truth can be for us too confronting and we want to say, surely we can reframe the truth in a way that means I can feel better about myself. In Genesis 3, Adam uh, is confronted by God over his taking and eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thing that he very well knew that God had said not to do, than he very well knew he had done. And yet he says to God, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit and I ate. That again, what I did was somehow reasonable and not wrong, or at least I'm not to be fully blamed for it. It was the woman who you put here with me. That's the problem. Well, that's not the problem. The problem is in Adam. But he won't. He wants to hide in the darkness. Carl Williams said, I'm guilty of defending myself and my family from being murdered. That's what I'm guilty of. If you want to pin that on me. This is in all of us. This is what John is talking about. And people sense that to come to Jesus means to be humbled, to undergo the experience of guilt, of shame, of weakness and failure, inadequacy, to to come out the other side of that, to be sure. This is not where God wants to leave any of us in this experience of guilt and shame and weakness and failure and inadequacy. He is bringing us to salvation. He is bringing us to forgiveness and freedom and the lifting up of our heads, the exalting of us. But we have to be humbled first. To come to Jesus means to, we have to set aside the instinct we have to protect our sense of our own goodness by shifting blame if necessary. To come to Jesus, in short, means to repent, to have a change of heart and mind about who I am and whether I have grounds to stand up and say, God, you should, you should give me the big tick because I'm a good person. Rather, to repent is to come to God and seek to be washed of our sin. To examine and amend our lives with the help of God. Now you might say, is this even possible? Can we really bring ourselves to do this? And the answer is that, thirdly, our fear of coming to the light can be overcome in God. So despite the sweeping condemnation of human corruption in this passage, people love the darkness more than the light. Verse 21 talks about a real and different possibility for us. Verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light or comes to the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. 
Now, I don't often do this, but I do want to kind of discuss a little bit the translation of that last phrase, what has been done in, this, has been done in the sight of God. That's tricky to translate, and if you consult different translations, they go different ways with it. So the old version of the NIV uh, had what they have done has been done not in the sight of God, but through God. Uh, If you looked up the New Revised Standard Version, it would say what they have done has been done in God. So you've got in the sight of God, through God, in God. And all of them are trying to translate a Greek phrase which uses the word en, the Greek word en, which the most obvious translation is in in English, and um, that's what the NRSV does. But it's a little bit ambiguous because that word can mean all kinds of equivalents in English, and the NIV versions try to bring those meanings out. And I confess, I do prefer the translation through God, the old NIV translation, uh, with the sense that What has been done has been done in God means um, in the fellowship of God, in the power of God, with the help of God. Now, these are all perfectly legitimate translations, but I want to plump for that one because I think it repeats the theme that Jesus had already raised in this conversation with Nicodemus, that we actually need God's power and God's transforming help to respond to him. As Jesus says to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. That is God's Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. That When we do what we ought to do, it's done in God. That is, in the power, with the help of, through the, the assistance of God. It's not enough that God's light comes into the world. We don't just say, oh, light, fantastic, that's what I want. We need God's work in our hearts so that we can even come to that light. Now, I think this is true at two levels. The macro level, the level of first becoming a Christian, that we live by the truth and we come to the light when we believe in God's Son, when we make a decision to turn to Christ. We put our trust in him. We ask God for the first time for forgiveness in Jesus' name. We get baptised. We start to pray and to participate in church and study the Bible. All those things of becoming a Christian. That's one way of thinking about what it is to live by the truth and come to the light. But uh, all this is done also on a micro level. That it's not just one thing we once did and we never do again. No, day to day we seek to live by the truth and come to the light. Day to day we seek to put aside our fear of exposure and our tendency to prefer the darkness. This is a very challenging way to live, to live by the truth. To open ourselves to Jesus' scrutiny and judgment. To identify those things in us that we prefer to keep hidden in the darkness and not actually think about, not even ourselves, let alone with others. What are we really like? How do we contribute to the problems that arise in our lives? What can we and should we learn about ourselves from whatever is going on in our lives right now? What light does God's word and God's spirit shine in our hearts about these things? These are... These are tough 
questions to face and ask and seek answers to, to, to seek what insight we can receive into how it is that we habitually as people operate, for good or ill. And then the question arises, well, when we catch a glimpse of that, we see something about ourselves and our doings, will we resist what Jesus might put his finger on one way or another? Will we deny that it's true? Will we shift our explanation uh, of our faults onto other people? Or will we bring it to the light? Will we bring it to Jesus Christ for him to wash and him to change? This is only something you can do in the privacy of your own heart, in your own relationship with him, to bring it to him and ask him to wash and change us. Will you own whatever that thing is as yours and then seek to make it not yours, to repent of it? Will you carefully, wisely, courageously, prayerfully and perseveringly address the problems, the evils that God brings to your attention about your life and your relationship? This this is not an easy life to live. This is, though, the believing life, the born-again life, the spiritual life. It is to live by the truth, to come into the light. It's an impossible life, in fact, to live without the help of God. But with God, it is possible. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what they have been done has been done in God. Now, you are not going to nail this life every day. You can be the most earnest and enthusiastic Christian in the world. uh, But it's not about nailing it every day. It's about keeping at it, this life of faith and repentance. God's help may not seem to be present. It may not seem very powerful. His involvement may not be plainly seen yet. But in the end... If we will live this life, if we will live by the truth and come to the light, in the end it will be plainly seen that what you have done has been done in God. So the question for us all is, will we live this life? God is willing and able to overcome both our sin and our fear of exposure. Will we take hold of the gift of God, his one and only Son? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are very challenged to read some of these things about our tendencies to prefer to shelter in the darkness rather than come into the light, to refuse to see ourselves as in the wrong and always to think of ourselves as good people instead of who we perhaps really are. So help us, Lord, by your Spirit to come into the light, to live by the truth that you show us about ourselves and to be so much better off because of it, to be saved, to be healed, to be made new, to be born again, to live with you. So help us to both believe in your Son and to repent of our sins. We pray in his name. Amen.